in fact. Now, I want to tell you a few things about death. I don't like thinking about it a whole lot. Recently, I've had to deal with it a whole lot. And as I've thought through those things, I thought, you know, we need to talk about this as a church. We need to talk about this as people because Jesus talked about it a lot. And we need to understand what the Bible has to say about it. But, but let me ask you this question. Just I'll digress for a second. How many of you have ever seen the movie Jaws? Can I see your hands? Okay. I saw Jaws when I was young. I don't know, seven, eight years old, whenever it was it came out. And back in those days, back in the olden times, we would go to what they call drive-in theaters. And so that shark was like 89 feet long. It was this massive, you know, and I remember being sitting in the back of the truck and watching Jaws. And can I just tell you something? Lived in the middle of Texas. The nearest ocean was like eight hours away, but I was terrified of sharks. I don't think I took a bath for like a week. And... <laughs> You know, and so since that time, that left such an impression on me that I've been scared that whenever you go to the ocean, what's in the ocean? Sharks. And I kind of have this thing in my head that when Chris gets ready to go to the ocean, an email goes out to all the sharks in the area that says, hey, a tasty treat is coming. And we think he's going to be around here. And so I get really nervous about going in the ocean. And, and so because of my depth of research that I like to do, I spent some really, a significant amount of time understanding what happens with sharks and how often they attack people in the United States. Here's some statistics for you. Half, no, every two years, one person gets eaten. So I guess that's half a person a year. I don't know how that works. But it's 0.5 people a year in the United States get eaten by sharks. I thought, that's fascinating. So, but, but there was this list of 25 things that are more likely to kill you than a shark. And I thought, these are things Highland Assembly of God needs to know, okay? So these are important things for you to remember, okay? So I'm going to just tell you about a couple of these things before I read scripture. You are more likely to die from getting in, hit in the head by a coconut than eaten by a shark. Now, my mind, because, you know, I'm thinking, where are coconuts around here? I don't know anybody with coconut trees, but they have some at Walmart. And so I'm thinking, next time I go into Walmart, I'm avoiding the coconutty section because it could kill you more than a shark could. And here's another one. This was a little odd, but I thought, wow, this really happens. Get this. 15 people a year in the United States, 15 people a year, die from icicles hitting them. Icicles. I mean, think about that. You know, you're walking around, everything's cool, all of a sudden, uh, you're stabbed by an icicle. Look, do me a favor. As a matter of fact, some of you, when you leave today, I want you to go home and put this in your will. I cannot do your funeral if you get killed by an icicle. Because what am I going to say? <laughs> well, you know, Scott was awesome, but then that one day he was walking, <laughs> that dang icicle fell on him. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's just bizarre, people. But this one is the last one I'm going to cover. But this, this one kind of freaked me out. Tim, you'll really appreciate this. This one freaked me out. It is estimated that in the United States, 2,500 people a year die because they're left-handed. Grant, you ready for this? Here, here's why, and it makes sense to me. All these tools are made for right-handed people, 
And so what happens is a left-handed person picks up the tool and cuts their leg off or whatever happens, and 2,500 of them die. So I feel safe, though, because tools and me, we're like, we don't really have a thing going on. So 2,500 people a year, but 0.5 get killed by sharks. Can I tell you something? You did not walk in here today being concerned about being killed by a coconut. Or being left-handed. I'm left-handed, so I'm like, you know. So, but here's the thing. <laughs> Death is a reality. We worry about it sometimes in weird ways, but the truth is, it is a part of the human condition. It is part of the world that we live in, and, and you will deal with it. You will deal with it. What does the scripture say? Well, if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 through 10, I'm going to read this, and then I'll jump right into the body of the message. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, out of the New Living Translation. For we know that when this earthly tent, and when Paul is talking about this tent, he means our body, for when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not human hands. In this world, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Verse 4, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Now listen to this next section. This is where where I want to go with this. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, We are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be, listen to this, at home with the Lord. That's a powerful statement. So, whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. There's a couple of things I want to point out about this scripture, starting at verse 9. So Paul says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal, my purpose, our purpose is to please him. And that made me think, what is my goal? Is it to get 50 likes on my Facebook page today? Is it to accrue more money in my account? What is my goal in life? What am I thinking about? And Paul says our goal is to please him. For we must all, listen to this, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. For we must all stand before him to be judged and we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. You are here, but eventually you will be there and we will be judged. That's a serious thing. Now listen, here, here's the big thing today. If you've got your notes, look on it. This is the, your first section, your first blanks. Listen, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity, about forever, dictates how you live today. 
Think about that. It's true. Because here's the deal about eternity and life. If, if you could take for a moment, let's just pretend for a moment that this bottle from one end of the other represents the beginning of time and the end of time. Okay? We're somewhere in here. Just a moment, the Bible says. We're just a breath. And then what's going to happen is we're not going to be here anymore. But how we live here determines eternity, which is everything else. That is truth. This is not Pastor Chris' truth. This is Jesus' truth. And remember, we just talked about this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. How I live here determines what's going to happen there. Now, there's two different parts of that that I want to cover that I think are very important for us to understand, and I'll get to those in a minute. But I want to say this to you. I want you to imagine that death really is this way, and this is just a simple Pastor Chris way of looking at it. Death is like you're in a house, and you walk through one door into another room, but it's all part of the same house. And when we die, it's just like we move from one existence immediately into another existence. But what happens in that other existence is dictated by how you live here. And that is truth. So three things happen after this life is done. Three things happen after this life is done. Here's number one on your notes. The first thing is your physical body dies. Your physical body dies. And I talked about sharks a few minutes ago, but if a shark were to eat me, he would go, mmm, that was scrunchious. But then that's my physical body. It's not my soul. And so your body is made up of your, 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 your physical body, but it's really made up of your soul. That's who you are on the inside. That's who you really are. This body is just an earth suit. Who you really are is on the inside. And when you die, who you are on the inside still lives. It's your flesh that dies. And, and Jesus had an interesting situation when he was dealing with different people that had died. And, and the one that probably the most famous one that we talk about a lot or I talk about a lot is a guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus was Jesus' friend. And Jesus gets this letter that says, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus waited three days before he went to see him. Of course, he knew what was going to happen. And, and sure enough, Lazarus had died. And so Jesus is on his way to see the people, and, and it's a, I, can't, I don't have enough time to go into it today, but, but the sisters come out and said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened, and, and Jesus is dealing with death. And this is what Jesus said to one of the sisters. I'll read what she said and then his response. Jesus said to her, this is John 11, verse 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looked at her and he said, do you believe this? And that's my question to you. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, yeah, your physical body may die, but you, who you are is not dead. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, 
who is to come into the world. And, and here's the thing I want you to understand. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, you have something really amazing to live for. You are living in what we call a win-win situation. You're in a win-win situation. If you die and you're a Christ follower, you go to be with Jesus. If you live and you live here, you get to walk with Jesus and be used by him. That's called a win-win situation. But we need to learn to embrace that and live our lives in such a way where that is a truth in our lives. Because here's the thing. We're only here for a little while. You know, I've used this illustration before, but I just love it. Every one of you is like a gallon of milk. You have an expiration date. You just don't know what it is. And over the last few weeks, I've had people that I love that are close to me that have passed away. None of that was expected. And here's the deal. Right now, on you is an expiration date. But you don't know what it is. So here's the, men, the, the thing that we do in our head is we live like we're not going to die. And that's not smart. One of the things that drives me and I would hope it would begin to drive you, is that you don't want to live with regret. And can I tell you something right now? If the Lord sent me an email and said, Chris, I want you to talk to Charles, and I want you to let Charles know that next Wednesday at 3 p.m., I'm taking him home, taking him home. How differently would he live between now and then? How differently would you live if God said, hey, You've got, you've got six weeks. How differently would you live? Let me tell you, you would walk in forgiveness. You would begin to, you know, instead of putting things off, you would, do, you would learn what's really important in your life. You know, probably what you wouldn't do is go, you know what? I need to go make a whole lot more money. Would you? Or, or what, and, and I'm not saying money's not important, but I do want to say what is important is this. There's only two things in life that ultimately matter. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. And you're going to be judged on those two things. He's not going to say, Tim, you know, I've watched you and I've been counting and you've driven 4,337,000 nails. Good job. You know? And when you hit your thumb that time, I forgave that. <laughs> but, but that's not what God's keeping up with. But he is keeping up with how we treat each other and our relationship with him. Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says this. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed one time to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those that are waiting. Here's the deal. We are going to die. Or Jesus is going to come back. But one of those two things is going to happen. But there's someone that's paid your price so that you can be free. Look at number two on your notes. When you die, our souls separate from our physical bodies. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And he's talking about God. You don't need to just be concerned about this outer shell. You need to take care of it. But what you really need to be concerned about what's on the inside because nobody can touch that. But God can. 
And you need to be aware of that. Luke 23, 42 through 43 says this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Where does that come from? When Jesus was being crucified and he was hung on the cross, there was a thief on either side of him. One of the thieves was messing with Jesus and jeering him. But the other one said, man, stop. He said, Jesus, help me. And this is what Jesus said to him. Truly, I tell you today, today, you will be with me in paradise. When your physical body dies, your soul leaves you. Philippians 1, 20 through 24 says this, and I trust my life, says Paul, will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, but dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue here. And listen, I want you to know something. I want you to take just a second and think about a place. We talked a few minutes ago where Paul talked about home twice. That this is not our home. And I want you to think for a moment, where is a safe place for you? Where is a place in your life where you feel safe? Where is that? Safety. Maybe it's, maybe it's your bedroom at home or kitchen, or maybe it's at a room you grew up in, but there's a place where you feel it's safe. But in other words, you feel at home. And when we get to heaven, guys, and I don't know, I don't know how to explain the emotion of it, but we're actually going to feel like we're home. We belong here. And one of the reasons that this world can be so hard for us sometimes is that we don't really belong here. We're here, but this is not where we ultimately will stay. But God has called us to a place where we will ultimately be, and that is home. And here's the third thing I want you to know. When we die, we will all face judgment. We will all face judgment. Judgment. First Peter 1.17 says this, And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. And let me explain to you what this is. I'm going to clear up some theology for you, and hopefully you'll never be confused about this again. There are two judgments. There are two judgments that the scripture tells us about. Go down, you look in your notes. The first judgment is the great white throne of judgment. And that judgment, theologians believe, and I concur, is for non-believers. That judgment is for people that don't know Jesus. They're not Christians. They're not saved. They've not re received salvation. And here's what John said, the disciple John said, he said, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There's a book. I don't know if it's a physical book. I don't know if it's a giant iPad. Whatever it is, but there is a record in heaven. And there's going to be humanity. Everybody that's ever lived, everybody that ever will live. And there's going to be a judgment. 
This is not Pastor Chris's idea. This is what the Bible says. And we're going to stand before this throne. One of two things. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, it says they will be thrown into the lake of fire. That sounds like incredibly terrible. I had a conversation this week with some friends, and we were talking theology a little bit, and we were talking about the different kinds of theology, and depending on the kind of church you grew up in, maybe the church you grew up in said, hey, once you get saved, always saved, you, you can kind of, you know, you're saved always, you, you don't have to worry about it, you're good. The other school of theology is, no, you can lose salvation, you can, if you run away from God, you can lose salvation, and we began to just talk back and forth of the different thoughts of scripture there, and, and, but I'm, but I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you right now. Here's the deal, here's the deal. We're going to know who's right when we get there. But here's what I would say. You better be right. Well, I raised my hand when I was little, and, and, you know, and then I kind of did whatever I wanted to do. But are you going to be okay with that? Or here's what I see a lot. Let's just say this line on the stage here is, is here's life. And there's sin and death, and there's people that are going, and they're going in and out all the time. And they're trying to test it. Oh, yeah, I checked that box. I'm sure everything's great. Guys, can I tell you something as your pastor? And whether you go to this church or not, I love you. And let me tell you something. I'm just going to be very blunt. That's crazy. Why would you risk eternity for what you think? Let me give you a better solution that I can recommend to you. And any of my friends, despite their theological background, would agree with. Let's not find out. Let's live over here somewhere. Let's not go and run along that line and just hope that we're going to be okay. That's crazy. Let's not test that theory. Because the people that are probably saying, I'm pretty sure, are the one. Look, I'm sure Billy Graham and I can sit down and, and he and I wouldn't even have to talk about that theological concept. Because we're going to live over here and we're going to do what God wants us to do. And I'm not going to tempt God by hoping that's correct. That's good theology. So if you think... It's okay to jump back and forth, and you think, guys, that's just, that's a little bit nuts. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, let's not do that. Go ahead. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are on the edge right now. No, don't do that. It's just so foolish to me that we would even consider that. Why are we even talking about that? Because you're not living your life to the full if you're worried about going to hell every five seconds. So let's live in the holiness of God and not worry about it. Amen? Man, I'm preaching better than y'all are. Amen. And come on now. Amen. Thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> but I'm going to share a scripture with you right now that has really made a big impact on me. And it's one of those scriptures that when I read it, it bothers me and I don't even like to read it. Just being honest. 
Okay? Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Now, just so you know, this is Jesus talking. So we're going to listen, right? Here's what he says, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we performed miracles in your name, but I will reply, I what? Never knew you. I never knew you. And then listen to this. Our dear, sweet Jesus, that people act like we can just do anything and that he's a pushover, will say, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Why would he do that? He gave his life so that you wouldn't have to. And when we decide we can live however we want to, what we're saying is, eh, nah, Jesus, you know, I want to do what I want to do. Guys, that's not okay. That's not okay. Don't fool yourself. Don't delude yourself into thinking that you, sh- you could or should live that way. Why would you even want to consider that? Why would you want to, are you willing to take that kind of chance with your eternity? Because you are here, but eventually you will be there, and we are all going to stand on the throne, or before the throne of judgment. We are all going to be there. Are you in the book of life or not? You need to know. And I'm going to give you an opportunity for that here in a few minutes. But then there's another judgment seat. That's the white throne of judgment. That's Christians, non-Christians, believers, non-believers. But what about those of us that are Christians? Is there going to be judgment for us? The answer is yes. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And here's where there are rewards or awards for Christians that have finished the race. These are people that you are saved. You were not running around over here. You were over here. You love God. And and you die. And you go to heaven. And then there's going to be a judgment. And I don't know if it's going to be like the Olympics or not. Representing... You know, Arkansas slash Texas, Chris Clem, up for his medal. You know, national anthem plays. I don't know. I don't know that that's exactly how it's going to work. I figure that's probably not what's going to happen. But what's going to happen is there is going to be judgment, and there's going to be Chris Clem. And just so you know, pastors get judged harder than other people. It's in the book. The judgment I get, Charnan, the judgment I'm, I'm going to get is going to be harsher because not only am I judged for my behavior, I'm judging for how good a job I took care of you. Think about that for a minute. That's why pastoring is not something you want to go, hey, I think this would be cool. I'll go try it out. I don't recommend that because I'm going to stand before him and he's going to say, I entrusted these precious people to you. Did you love them like I would? Did you teach them like I would? That's on me. So this is a serious thing to me. And there's going to be a judgment for that. 
2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things that, we, the, the things that done in the body, either good or bad. These are Christians. These are people that are saved. And we're going to stand before God and he's going to judge our life. Not whether or not we go to heaven or hell. We're in heaven. This is in heaven. And I started thinking about that. What does that look like? Man, I had an awesome, awesome thing happen to me this week. I went through one of our drive-in restaurants, and I was grabbing something. And it's always a pleasure. I pull up, and and girl opened the, the counter. Just happened to be a girl waiting on it. And she goes, and it's one of our church girls. And she goes, hey, pastor. And I said, hey, what are you doing? And she handed me my very healthy food. <laughs> that was keto, in case you were wondering. And so she handed me this food. And she said, hey, can I tell you something? She said, one of our older members drove through the drive-thru a little while ago. And as I, I was talking to them, and I could just see in their eyes, something was really wrong. And I could just tell they were really hurting. And she said, so I gave them a cookie in their back. <laughs> I drove off. That's what Jesus said. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll get your reward. She saw pain in someone's heart, and so she gave him a cookie because that's what she could do. And don't you think for one second that doesn't matter. Don't you think that what you do in here and out there doesn't matter. How you treat people, the words you say. It doesn't mean you have to get up and preach in front of thousands. I may never do that, and I'm totally good with that. But it matters how I interact here. And it matters how I interact there. And I want you to think about this. How you treat people matters to God. If you're a jerk and you're mean to people, don't think, sis, bub, that that's not going to come. You can't do that. You shouldn't be that way. Don't think that gossip is okay. How do you love the outcast? How do you love the rejected? You know, how do you treat people around you? Are you a respecter of persons? Are you one of those people that, you know, how do you treat people? Do you love the least of these as much as the greatest of these? Because that's what God's looking at. The Bible says that man sees the outward appearance, but God's looking on the heart. And the scripture says he tests our motives. Why you do what you do matters to God. And guys, here's the deal. Because I love you, hear me. Please. There's going to be a point that you're going to stand in front of him. And he's going to say, thank you for receiving my son. But how did you live with what I gave you? What did you do? How did you treat your wife? How did you treat your friends? Jesus said it this way. Two things matter. Loving God, loving people. Two things. Wes, come on up, bub. I want to tell you guys something really personal. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I use illustrations of me all the time. Most of it is because I do dumb stuff and I would rather tell you than somebody else tell you. So it just saves us time. Second reason is is because it helps keep me humble. And if it happens to me, then you can be okay with it too. Okay? 
So I'm going to be transparent. I, if you think I'm perfect, you have not been here more than two weeks, okay? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I know who you are, Marshall. I know your voice. <laughs> Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and then I know your voice, Marshall. I, I recognize that. Here's the thing. He's right, though. I was at the gym the other day, and I've been working really hard. I'm working really hard. But a lot of times when I deal with people, guys, it's crisis. Something's broken. Something's hurt. Some, you know. And, and so what I started doing is going to the gym early. And I'd go in and I'd get in there and I'd start working out. Well, this was a few weeks ago and I was working out and I was by myself that day. And I was focused. And I'm like, okay, I got a day full of stuff. I got to get out. I've only got this much time to get in here and work out because I got a whole lot of other stuff I got to do. And, and half the church go, goes to the gym. And so we're all in there. Everybody's doing their thing. But I was really focused because I got to get out of there. And this guy walks up to me. He doesn't go to the church. But you know the way I think. I don't pastor just this church. I pastor this community. Because I love these people. All of them. You and them. But this guy came up, and I'm trying to work out. I'm on the peck deck machine. You don't get beautiful like this without work. Please, come on. And so I'm, I'm getting ready to work, and he comes up, and, and I'm right in the middle of working out. He's like, uh, PC, do you mind if I talk to you for a minute? Can I tell you what my thought was? No. <laughs> Just being honest. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm doing right now. Right now is a great time, you know. Let's, let's talk about revelation. You know, it's like, no. It's like, dude. And then, to show you the depths of me, I'm thinking, I'm busy. can't you see? I only get this much time to do this, man. And this is what I thought of later. I was upset because I'm trying to go to the gym so I'll be healthier, so I can live longer, so I can love people. And you're annoying me right now. <laughs> How can I love you if you won't go away? <laughs> you see? Right? Come on, some of y'all. Hey, let, let's go to church. Shut up, kids. We're going to church. Y'all better act right. That's you talking to your husband, you know. I mean, you know, it's so crazy how we live sometimes that we're, we, we act like this two different jacked up. True story. So we're sitting there, and I got over myself. After me and Jesus had a talk, <laughs> he talked and I listened. This all happened just, you know. And I stopped, and I said, sure, man. I said, I said, what's going on? He said, PC, my daughter's out in the truck. I was wondering if you'd go pray for her. Young teenage daughter. I'm like, okay. I said, what's going on? She's fighting terminal cancer. <laughs> I'm busy. Can't you see I'm trying to get in shape so I can love people? And that's why I was there. So I said, yeah, man, I'll go. But he didn't go out there with me. He stayed inside to work out. <laughs> I just realized that right then. <laughs> he probably wanted my machine. <laughs> Marty, I'm bitter. 
No, I got to do Lord Jesus, please. <laughs> but I walked out to the car. It's cold. I walk out, and she's sitting in the front seat of this truck. And I knocked on the window, and she's looking at me like, you never seen me. But she's like, uh, rolls the window down a little bit. And I said, hey, I'm Pastor Chris. And, and your dad just asked me if I'd come out and pray with you. And she took her little beanie off. No hair. And I said, can I pray with you? And I could tell she's scared. And she said, sure. And she gave me her hand, and I held her little hand, and I prayed for her. And here's the thing. Two weeks later, her dad comes in, and I said, how's she doing? He said, her cancer's in remission. <laughs> Wasn't me. Could have been you could have been you. It wasn't me. I was just there. It's the bucket. What's in your bucket? What's in the bucket is what they need. They don't need the bucket. They need you. And if I go to heaven and that's what Jesus remembers, I'm good with that. Because that day I listened. That day. What about you? Because one day we're going to stand in front of him. What about you? And I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to tell you the truth. This is real. This is life. And you need to get real about this. Because your moment could come, and then it's too late. And I'm not trying to scare you, but it ought to get your attention. Friday night. Friday afternoon, about 3 or 4 o'clock, I came walking out of my office because I figured Miss Connie was going to be up here. And by the way, Miss Connie is now the queen of the kitchen. She is in charge of the church kitchen. Yes. One of the smartest things. The Lord will reward me for that. I know he will. That's, that was really so. But here's the thing. I come walking out of that side door and I open the door up. Oh no, I pulled it in. And when I pulled it in, she was already starting the cinnamon rolls. And when I pulled it in, I thought, this is what heaven's going to smell like right now. <laughs> and I went in and talked to her and, and uh, we visited for a few minutes. And then later that night, my son, Miles, who is six foot four and half cinnamon roll, um, <laughs> has this genetic encoding that says Miss Connie's making cinnamon rolls. He, he, if you ever get in trouble, make cinnamon rolls because he will find you wherever you are. And he comes in and he walks into my office with these three cinnamon rolls. And I'm like, but I'm on a keto diet. And that will kill me right now. But it was so good. And I thought, ooh, this is, this is everything in me needed this. And then that night, Trisha brings home the cinnamon roll to the house and sets it on the table. And a light from heaven came down. <laughs> right? But can I tell you something? I had people from the church texting me. I saw church take that cinnamon roll for you. You're not supposed to have I didn't eat it. And the next day we were talking, she goes, why didn't you eat that cinnamon roll? 
She did, Connie. <laughs> it was gone. It was not, it, it was eaten. But she goes, why didn't you do, she goes, what's different this time? And it's this. I realized that I don't have forever. I realized that I don't have forever. And God has given me a certain amount of time. And so I'm focused. And I'm going to try to take care of this body so I can take better care of you. And I'm going to try to study harder so that I can make sure you're getting what you need. Why? Because one day I'm going to stand before him and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And I want to be able to say, God, I gave you everything I had. And it's the same for you. What are you trading your life for? What are you trading your life for? Why are you you consuming your life with things that don't satisfy you? Come to him. Don't wonder if you're saved or not. Make a decision. Receive him and then stay away from the edge. Let's be the people that God is talking about. Let's be those people and see what he does. You are here, but you will be there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you, God, that you are so faithful. And I thank you that your anointing is in this place because you love these people so much. You brought them here today. Father, we're we're speaking the truth, and I can't speak it any more in love than I am, Father, that there is going to be judgment. This is not a game. You died so that we could be free. You died to save us. But if you're here today and you're not sure, maybe you're like some of us have been in our life where we're just back and forth and and we're, we're playing in the world and then coming back. And guys, it's no game. This is no joke. I don't want you to stand up there and Jesus say, I never knew you. I never knew you. It's time to know him, but more importantly, for him to know you. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ, if you want to make sure, you want to know that you know, if you want to receive him today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to know. I need to know. Or maybe you're a Christ follower today, but you've been kind of crossing the line back and forth and you're, you're not sure. You're not sure where you stand. Can I just tell you today, guys, it's not worth it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's make that decision. And say, Lord, here I am. I'm all in. I'm all in. If you're here today and you're not sure, you're a Christian, but you're not sure where you stand, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I see your hands. Okay. I see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. One of the reasons why we're here. Thank you for your honesty. Hmm. Let's all stand this morning.
2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says this. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Based on your hands today, and knowing a lot of you, I would say most of you are know Jesus. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's there. When you leave this place, there's lots of people that need cookies. Lots of people that need them. And he has given you life to give to other people. Be his hands and feet. Keep your eyes open and be Jesus in the moment. Be Jesus in the moment. Amen. Let's all bow our heads for a moment. Everybody put your hands on your heart. Nothing magical about this. This is just I want you to focus on your life for a second. I want you to worry about anybody around you. There's a lot of people today, a number of people that raise their hands not sure about their salvation. Maybe they've been playing both sides of the fence. Well, today we're going to make our minds up to not do that. So I want us all to pray this together. This is a good reminder for all of us. The Lord Jesus, I'm asking you now to forgive me. There are times that I serve you, but there are times that I do my own thing. But I'm asking today, Lord, that you would forgive me, that your blood would cover my sins. Today, Lord, I'm making a decision to give you my everything. Lord, I'm asking you to know me. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what Jesus said. If you know me, if you love me, You'll do what I say. That's what he said. He said, if you want to know, if you know me or not, you'll do what I say. That's how we know. He also said this, you judge a tree by its fruit. If you say you're a Christian, but there's no evidence of fruit in your life, how will I know that? That's not judgment. That's just true. If you have to tell somebody you're a Christian, you're doing it wrong. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be the body of Christ by how you live and how you love and how you carry yourself. And watch the world change. Amen? I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Now listen, as we do this, Andrea told me that as soon as you leave here, if you want to go bowling, you don't have to wait till one. You can get over there now, and you can eat, and you can bowl, and you can bowl, and you can eat, (laughs) right? I don't know why I do some of this stuff, (laughs) but it's available, so you don't have to go home or anything. You guys can go over there, and they've got food that you have to pay for, but you can eat, but the bowling is $5. Also, Andrea's going to be at the door, Barbie, one of them, somebody will be at the door, give them five bucks, give them cash. Okay, 
So make sure you do that, okay? Somebody else needed me to say something. Oh, concert. Is that what the concert looks like? (laughs) It is. Triumphant Quartet is coming on March 5th. You guys remember they came last year? Yeah, go ahead and clap. That's all right. I'm going to be opening for them. It's going to be rap and dancing. It's going to be very exciting. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But uh, we want to invite you to come. It's an offering thing. And if you were here last year, I didn't get to go. And so I'm going to be here this year. It's awesome. Make sure you come. Okay. And then uh, Aaron is in the back. Now, when you walk out, now listen, y'all sign up for this marriage conference. Dadgummit. Well, I'm serious. We're bringing these people all the way from Dallas, and they're really good. They travel all over the country. They're some of the best marriage speakers in the United States because we're not playing. We're bringing Triumphant, which was the Southern Gospel Group of the Year. Okay? They're awesome. We're bringing the Wilsons in here. We're bringing you guys some of the best people in the country. So you better show up. Because if you don't, and I say, you go, hey, pastor, I'm having some trouble with my marriage. You say, I said, did you go to the marriage conference? You say, no. I said, take a number, Jack. <laughs> I won't do that. But I'll probably think it. <laughs> but sign up on your way out. Let's, let's get signed up. Let's do it. God, look, all this stuff we're doing is for you. So take advantage of it, right? We love you. Now I'm mad about something. I don't even know what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl, so y'all can do whatever you want to do tonight. I don't even care. All right, I'm going to do what? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray over your meal. So when you go to lunch today, you don't have to pray. <laughs> okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these awesome people. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to be your hands and feet. Lord, let's love people like you do. Let everything we do, every word we say, be a reflection of who you are in our life. And let us love them in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Y'all have a great day. Enjoy your time together.